Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode number 62 of the Employment Law and HR podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the podcast. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this podcast is to bring you updates and information about employment law and HR best practice in the UK. And it's designed for employers, business owners, supervisors, managers and HR professionals. Of course, there's plenty of great content for everyone, but that's who it's specifically aimed at. And I hope you enjoy the content. And before I get into this week's episode, I do just want to apologise to the regular listeners for not producing an episode two weeks ago. So the normal format is the podcast comes out fortnightly on a Monday. However, two weeks ago, I missed an episode. And that was just because I had a sheer volume of work and various other things going on. So I do apologise. I try as much as possible to get them out regularly so you know when it's coming. But unfortunately, with the pressures of work and running my own practice, it can be difficult at times. But I will keep to the schedule now and um, look forward to speaking to you again soon. This week's podcast is an update on a case which has recently been heard in the Employment Appeal Tribunal and it's in relation to disability and disability discrimination. And I think it's quite an interesting case for employers because having an employee with a disability can be quite a tricky issue to deal with. It's quite sensitive for the employees and obviously for employers if they're not particularly experienced in dealing with them it can be quite hard. So it's quite an interesting case. So the case I'm going to talk to you about is involving the employer, which is G4S Cash Solutions UK Limited, and the employee in the case is Mr. Powell. Now, Mr. Powell was employed by G4S Cash Solutions, and he had been employed since 1997 in various roles. But most recently, he was employed as a single line maintenance engineer. And his job role was to go and to service the ATM machines for his employer. And he unfortunately developed various back pain and issues with his back, which meant that from 2012, early 2012, he was no longer fit to do heavy lifting or to work in confined spaces. And the result was that he was unable to do his regular tasks as a single line maintenance engineer. Now following a period of time off and I assume some medical reports from his doctors, it was agreed in the summer of 2012 that he could return to work as a new position which was as a key runner for ATM engineers. Now my understanding from the facts of the case is that a key runner was a new position which was where they drove around delivering parts and um, bits and pieces for the engineers so the ATM engineers could use public transport rather than driving and the key runner would just take the bits and pieces around and obviously being a driving role it didn't involve any heavy lifting or working in confined spaces so it was a reasonable adjustment to enable Mr Powell to stay at work and he worked around central London I understand. Now when he started in his role 
as a key runner. He kept his salary as um, the maintenance engineer salary. So the maintenance engineer salary was at one level and the key runner was at another. Um, He kept his salary the same. Now, in May 2013, G4S Cash Solutions decided to rethink the way that they were working and they informed Mr Powell that they were thinking of removing the role of key runner, that they no longer needed it or it wasn't working out. And as you can see, it was only been a short period of time between summer 2012 and May 2013. As a result, when he found out about this, Mr Powell raised a grievance and subsequently the employer agreed to keep the key runner role and that he could remain in his key runner role on a permanent basis. What the employer said was they needed to reduce the salary for the key runner role by 10% to reflect the fact that it was a, a lesser skilled role compared to the engineer's role. Now, Mr Powell refused to accept the 10% pay reduction And as a consequence, he was dismissed from his employment in October 2013. Now, Mr Powell brought a claim in the Employment Tribunal, which subsequently went to the Employment Appeal Tribunal, which I'll tell you the result of those shortly. What you need to know is that in regards to this case and in regards to the case of employees with disabilities, there is an obligation upon employers to make reasonable adjustments to enable employees to remain at work wherever possible. The requirement to make reasonable adjustments is contained within the Equality Act and this states that where an employer's provision, criteria or practice puts a disabled person at a substantial disadvantage in comparison with those who are not disabled, the employer must take steps, such steps as is reasonable, to have to take to avoid the disadvantage. So what that means is for employers who have an employee who has a disability and there is a provision, criteria or practice which puts them at a disadvantage, a substantial disadvantage, so to say, compared to their colleagues, there is an obligation to make reasonable adjustments. What amounts to a provision, criterion or practice has been considered in a number of cases over a period of time and basically it's been given quite a wide scope. So it could be anything which is applied, which puts the employee at a disadvantage. So in this case, the provision criterion or practice that would put him, Mr Powell, at a disadvantage was the requirement to lift heavy objects and work in confined spaces. It can also be things like particular arrangements about how you do things. It could be certain shift patterns. It could be the requirements to do jobs in a particular way. So it's really very broad and um, very much based on the particular facts of the circumstances. But if it's something which puts the person at a disadvantage, then it triggers the need for you to consider reasonable adjustments. Now, again, with regards to what amounts to a reasonable adjustment, There have been a number of cases and it's very fact-based as to what is considered to be a reasonable adjustment in the circumstances. And there is a lot of examples out there of particular cases where the Employment Tribunal or the Employment Appeal Tribunal have decided on particular adjustments being ones that needed to be made or were reasonable in the circumstances. And on the Equality and Human Rights Commission website, they have various examples. And in the Equality Human Rights Code, it does give you various details in there about some 
examples of reasonable adjustments in certain circumstances. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can see. But what I would say is that in the event that you have an employee who has a disability or develops a disability which requires adjustments and you're really not sure what to do, then it's important that you get some advice, you get some information that's specific to the the particular facts of that case. Now, what I do say to people is that the requirement to make reasonable adjustments is just that. It does have to be reasonable. So it's not exhaustive. So if it would be wholly unreasonable to make an adjustment in order to keep someone in their employment, then you don't have to make it. And there have been various cases, again, where there's been a substantial cost involved in making that adjustment. Now, even if there is a cost involved, so if there's a cost involved, it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have to make the reasonable adjustment, but it will be looked at proportionally. So, for example, if you had an old building which only had stairs, so there would be a disproportionate cost to fitting a lift or some other form of getting a disabled person, so somebody who can't walk up the stairs to the top floor, then you wouldn't be required to do that as a reasonable adjustment in order to allow them to get into work. But what you would be required to do would be to perhaps consider allowing them to work elsewhere or working from home and then providing equipment. So you don't have to make the adjustment that would be disproportionately expensive or costly but you would then have to look at other adjustments. So what I'm trying to say here is that if there's a cost involved you need to look at it from a reasonable point of view. It's that famous word from employment which is reasonableness. Now, when it comes to pay, there have been cases which have been decided that mean that it's not necessarily a reasonable adjustment or requirement to pay somebody who is disabled full pay whilst on sick leave. And the reasoning behind that is the purpose of reasonable adjustments is to enable people to remain in work and to continue to work, you know, despite their disability. Whereas if there was a requirement for employers to pay full pay to employees who are disabled and on sick leave, there would be no incentive to return and it wouldn't be enabling them to return. It would essentially be a charitable thing. So that's why the cases have been decided in that way. So in this case, what Mr Power was arguing was that it was a reasonable adjustment for them to agree to keep his pay at the same level as an engineer, as he previously was on. And at the employment tribunal, they agreed and they said that it would have been a reasonable adjustment for the employer to retain his existing salary, even though he was doing a role which required lesser skills and experience. And they decided that it was discrimination to dismiss him for his refusal to accept the lower pay rate. Now G4S Cash Solutions appealed against the decision and it went to the Employment Appeal Tribunal who looked at the case again, who looked at the facts and the circumstances of the case and analysed the law here which is contained within the Equality Act but also from various cases that are developed over time. And what the Employment Appeal Tribunal decided was that the duty to make reasonable adjustments for somebody who is disabled could mean 
providing them with more favourable terms than another employee. So more favourable terms than somebody who doesn't have a disability, which is essentially what they were saying in this case, is Mr Powell was saying that he should have been given the pay, which would have been over and above, so 10% more than his colleagues who were doing the same role, but who didn't have a disability. And in this case, the Employment Appeal Tribunal said it would have been a reasonable adjustment for them to agree to maintain his pay at that level for the long term. They again re-emphasised the point I was making earlier about the purpose of reasonable adjustments, which is the objective is to keep people in work. And by making that adjustment to his pay would have enabled him to continue at work. And essentially, when you're looking at reasonable adjustments, they said that the steps that an employer has to take is to look at how they can alleviate the disadvantage to the disabled person caused by that provision criterial practice. What is also interesting about this case is that the Employment Appeal Tribunal said that in this situation, with these facts, with this employer and this employee, it was reasonable to make that adjustment. But it's not an everyday event to provide long-term pay protection for employees and it would very much depend on the circumstances of the particular case. So the Employment Tribunal and Employment Appeal Tribunal in the future would be required to weigh up the financial considerations and the factors involved with both parties before making a decision. Now, in this case, the employer was one with substantial finances and uh, resources in order to do this. The difference in pay, as I said before, was just 10% and it already been going on for a year. So the employer had been able to maintain that level of pay for a year already. And they'd given the expectation to Mr Powell that it would continue for him. So what I read from this is that if there were alternative circumstances, so for instance, a, a smaller employer who had less resources and who was more concerned about the business implications and the financial implications, then it might not necessarily be considered to be a reasonable adjustment in those circumstances. G4S Cash Solutions weren't arguing in this case about the economics of it, but instead they were arguing about the fairness between the different employees. So they argued that it would create some discourse between the employees who were getting that 10% less pay and Mr Powell because he was getting the same rate as engineers. They didn't argue about their economic factors. What I think about this case is that if the employer had fewer resources and if the pay difference had been higher, then it may not have been decided in the same way. So how does that help you as an employer? You might be thinking, well, what do we do now, Alison? Do we know Do we know if we have to pay them the same rate if we give them an alternative job? Well, the first thing I would say is that it would be a reasonable adjustment to consider an alternative role in these circumstances. So if you have an employee who cannot undertake their existing role at all because of a physical disability, then it would be necessary to look at alternative roles for them. And then if there is an alternative role, but it is at a different salary, you need to consider whether it would be reasonable to give some kind of pay freeze or long-term continued pay at the same rate or some pay differential here. But if it's not financially viable for your business and you can provide 
good justification as to why you don't consider it to be a reasonable adjustment to keep them at that same level of pay and it's not sustainable for you, then it may not necessarily be a case where you have to make that adjustment in order to ensure that you comply with your requirements of the Equality Act. It is down to the facts and circumstances of each individual case. So it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. You have to look at the individual circumstances, which is why, particularly with disability issues, it's important to get advice. If you get it wrong, it can be quite costly. In the employment tribunal, if somebody brings a claim for disability discrimination or other forms of discrimination and are successful, then there's no cap on their compensation for loss of earnings so it's not the same as in an unfair dismissal case where it's capped at a year and also the employment tribunal can make an award for injury to feelings which depending on the circumstances could be fairly high for you if you're not careful so if you have a case as I say with somebody who has a disability and you're not sure about reasonable adjustments there's plenty of resources available on the Equality and Human Rights Commission website but don't just try and slot them into one of those particular scenarios. Get some advice. I offer an initial free telephone call or a free meeting for employers. If you want to have a chat to get some more information, then you can get in touch with me to arrange an appointment. It's alison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk. And if you have experience of making reasonable adjustments or any particular issues with regards to employees with disabilities, then I'd really love to hear from you and to have some real life examples. And perhaps you can share your wisdom with other employers and HR professionals by coming on the podcast. So do get in touch. I will put all the details about both the Equality Act, the Equality and Human Rights Commission website and the details of this case on my show notes, which you can find at adviceforemployers.co.uk forward slash podcast forward slash 62. You can find all the information there. If you go over to my website, adviceforemployers.co.uk, you can also sign up for my fortnightly newsletter. Within the newsletter, I feature various cases and legal updates that aren't featured in the podcast and it comes out on the alternate week to the podcast so you can get great content from me, free content every week by signing up online. Thank you so much for listening again. I will be back in two weeks with the next episode and I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you, that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.